Act 1, Scene 6, again in Faustus' study, which is lit now by light of a single candle that shines upon his face, the solitary image in the darkness. Each clock contains one soul, suspended, whose heart was taken from its body beating, from body of its victim while it was dying. It continues in its captured death, housed in the hopeless parameter of time's most wretched machinery, its escapement ever ratcheted by sobbing. So the clock ticks and ticks, and Faustus, knowing, sees its clockworks like bleeding ganglion showing. Wagner watches from the wing and has no sympathy for him, yet for himself would not dare to try the steps toward darkness that Faustus takes, not unless the other goes first, tests the paths, and returns intact. Faustus speaks and Wagner writes whence most this history comes, in mirror-backwards cryptic script, kept and hidden from the coroner, until belated chance discovered it. I know it's nothing, but I'm afraid that what I know will be betrayed, and all is other than what I believe. If I find God true, and I'm damned, then horrors that are earned by me, by my excess and pride, will open wide doors to hell, because I blaspheme, because I blame a blessed Jesus to everlasting shame. For if he's God, if he exists, then I must certainly sink to hell. But what is that? A life? But after life, or private cell of bodiless, wallless infinity, completely dark, unfeeling, empty, and I am helpless, abandoned, and afraid, lost, gone, alone, alone, and I regret, remorse, remember things I should have done, and what I wished I'd not, people I have hurt, words I spoke and did not, thoughts I wish I had not thought, and thoughts I had, and all the time I've wasted, the goodness I neglected, accounted for, against me. Faustus, dismayed, rebelled. But this is illusion, sheer fear, blind terror of not knowing, another mock shadow, another illusory scene, 
of that shadow play on dim cavern walls in a narrowed mind. Then midnight comes, and at last the hour counts itself, resounds his mantle clock with solemn throbbing like a dirge. Wagner could not see the snaky hand that reached from shadows to touch the head that bowed in worried wonder at his words, but saw the head rise up and turn to stare in his direction, and so the famulus retreated, and only later learned what Faustus might have said. The spirit loomed not cruel, not caring. It had not feelings either way, but spoke to Faustus absolutely resolute. Do you want to know? Do you want to go and see the things you wonder for and dream? Faustus replied his silent assent. It was his truth, his hope, his way. Then you must promise, you must write these words. I, Faustus, do abjure all wisdom, all holy things of any god, of any truth I know, for sake of knowing all that is and nothing that cannot be known. I swear, by blood you must swear. I do, he pledged, and stroked his pen with pulsing blood from his opened vein. I, Faustus, by my blood, will forfeit and release my life, my fame, and all I gain for what I might know and see. Never tell that any might believe nor any writings shall survive, nor any words of mine seem true to any man that lives and learns of me, of what I know and see. None know the truth except alone like me. There he must also go. Yes, I believe, and swear it so. Of the spirit came a man, suddenly and simply, a man of common dress and common face except effeminate, with hands of grace, delicate and sensitive, with gestures fluttering like birds of wing that flying streak in colors chase in neon, alluring, mesmerizing. His face was ghastly white, a circus grease paint, and eyebrows painted and pronounced lips, an arrogant actor to his stage, exaggerated with black and raging red-red hue, the color of severe cuts, of wounds, of suffering, of the betrayed. 
He took the written word and dipped it in the flame of a guttering candlelight, where all at once it ignites. There, he said, it's sent. Instantly the day arose, a burst of light around the candle halos, spreads and fills the room. Sudden daylight and birdsong beginning, and Wagner enters stuporous. A short night's sleep, but indifferent he is to any adventure he might witness, not even to a stranger in black mystery whose face was masked for comedy. He was not surprised, nor was he mystified. He served them breakfast, as he always had, and begged for leave, and went off shambling to crowded, clamorous markets, rambling, as he might always have done, on this or any given ordinary day. But Faustus stayed amazed. He stared at the incarnate spirit sternly, and did not speak, and the spirit ate his breakfast heartily, like a man who'd wanted food for a long, long while, as indeed he had. For as he claimed, I have not eaten so for centuries. He pushed back his licked-up plate and smiled at Faustus. Well, what will you have? What shall we do this beautiful day? Who are you? Faustus asked. A philosopher, he esteemed, but not adventurer, and we must change. He stood and rummaged through Faustus' shelves, knocking out his books, breaking bric-a-brac until he found the pipe and tobacco that he lacked. He smoked them as he pondered his reply, and Faustus did not show an impatient sign. He knew he would know, but he wondered, would he know directly or indirectly, by candor or by conniving wit? For there is trickery in truth. He knew that's true. My name you may give it as you please. My identity you may take as you like. My being I do not know myself. My origin is none other than your own. Who am I? What do you call me, then? He who seems, he who loves to seem, Mephistopheles shall be your name. Good, good, I like it. I like it very much. It is majestic, much better than the last, which reminded me of, uh, what do they call? Uh... He opened the door and breathed deeply the day and took great pleasure in its sunny warmth and its rich fragrance, and urged Faustus to share with him. Ah, food! Ah, woman! Ah, shit and piss! Come, and we will walk, and we will talk. It's a splendid day to be alive and well. <laughs> 